That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. We need to roll back the state. We spy on all of our own citizens. Our prisons are flooded with nonviolent drug offenders. If you want to know who America's next enemy is, look at who we're funding right now. Every single one of these problems are a result of government being way too big. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Part of the Problem. I'm Dave Smith. He's Rob Bernstein. We are on our way to Detroit for work. The only reason why anyone should ever go to Detroit. Just kidding. Looking forward to seeing you guys out there. Come see us. Tickets still available this weekend. Bunch of stand-up comedy shows and a live Part of the Problem podcast all going down at the House of Comedy in Detroit. Uh, You can go grab tickets over at ComicDaveSmith.com. And then, of course, we got a bunch more uh, stuff. Me and Rob are coming all over the road uh, this year. So uh, look for us in a town near you. How you doing this morning, Rob? I'm doing well. Excited for Detroit. Also, letting everyone know, New York, Wednesday nights. Uh, come hang out. I got a show down in the West Village. It's a fun little spot. Hell to the yeah. Okay, so there's a few things that I wanted to talk about on this podcast before me and you get out of town. A um, few things that really caught my eye that are, uh, I think, pretty damn important that are going on in the world. So there was uh, uh, Alex Berenson. Uh, he was the one who I uh, initially heard this from. By the way, I will say I really highly recommend Alex Berenson's Substack. He has been uh, invaluable throughout the entire uh, pandemic nonsense, and he's really been um, one of the uh, leading voices um, criticizing the COVID regime and the past, uh, the vaccine regime uh, from a, a science-based perspective and really brought a lot of like uh, very important information up. Um, I know me and you both have uh, benefited a lot from reading this guy sometime. Take some Advil, complain about our backs. He's in New York, right? He's yeah. He, I don't know if he's in New York. Yeah. I know he, i the only one time I met him was in New York. Get really um, and he high used before to work... lunch just to piss him off. Yeah. Really get at him. Yeah. Well, I met him at the Soho forum. He was debating about pot, um, which, but you know, I I gotta say, I ultimately had just getting sidetracked here, but I ultimately, um, he even wrote really interesting stuff about that, and I disagreed with his. I think his conclusion was that pot should not be decriminalized, um, but he, I think, was, I I think he's wrong about that conclusion. However, I do think there was a sound argument that he was making, which was that. Uh, people kind of act as if pot is harmless 
and there are no negative like you know like outcomes associated with it and he's like hey that's really not true and let's like look at all this data and then in, in his very alex berenson way pours over all the data and you know so it's, and and he uh, i had never really uh was never really aware of this before um but he had a lot of evidence to suggest this and this is something i just never like was aware of but evidently for people who are um have some tendency toward like a psychotic break or maybe kind of teetering on the edge heavy uh marijuana use can like be very bad for them there is like now again this is just something i never would have known i still don't find that to be a justification to criminalize it of course but that is like that that's something that's worth knowing and should be a part of the conversation whereas for many years it was kind of like there was a very like whatever boomer attitude there's nothing wrong with pot that's all uh um what's it called what was that old propaganda movie uh the real dumb one where they're like if you smoke reefer you will kill those guys reefer on that reefer madness yes yes it's all like it was all kind of like if you had any issue with pot you were just the reefer madness people basically it's like well no there's it's actually a little more complicated anyway there's a uh, this is Alex Marinson uh, recently wrote about this. Uh, you can go look it up and verify it for yourself, as I did. Uh, there was a recent uh, study on um, co- the risk of COVID death um, for people under 50 years old. So 50 and under. It included people with severe uh, severe uh, comorbidities. Um, so it was uh, just the total population, 50 and under, what your total risk for COVID was. Basically, what these Dutch researchers uh, did was they... Um, they use data from a, nat- a national registry uh, to show, um, you know, like what the risk was. So they basically they measured um, the the data from the registry versus the excess uh, death rate for 2020 and 2021 nationwide in the Netherlands, and they assumed all of the excess de- deaths were COVID. So they just, even if there were other causes, there were suicides, there were certainly other things other than COVID, but they just put it all as COVID. So th- these numbers are are by their very nature going to be a little bit higher than it actually was but they're like whatever we'll give you that we're really looking at all of this and the number they came out with is pretty goddamn staggering it was one in forty-five thousand. now we knew um let's say from the very very beginning of covid uh i i think if you go back and look at it I, I, i'm not sure go to gas digital network subscribe use the promo code potp that way you get access to all of our episodes cuz only like the last 7 or some so are up online um but if you go back it was either i'm almost positive either the last week in march or the first week in april where we had basically been like okay guys we're looking at all the data from the death numbers and it's all old people <laughs> and it seems like most of them are like very sick so we we knew very early on that like this wasn't a particularly high risk thing to the, to healthy young people, but this is this number is something much I, uh, more beyond what we thought. I do have to ask on that because that mm-hmm. actually sounds a little bit high to me because that basically what's that like two point two per hundred thousand, which is usually the way the stat is like reported. Yes, as per hundred thousand, and I also seem to recall that like murder rates over one over like every hundred thousand are like considered astronomical. So I don't know how this can like how that would compare to the flu, but like in a typical flu season, you definitely don't have two deaths per hundred thousand people under the age of 50. No, well, no, 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 this isn't. um, Yeah. Okay. Let me think about that for a second. Well, they're saying that um, the COVID death risk was one in 45,000. So I I was wrong about what I said before. Um, before the uh 
the podcast. This isn't the general population. This is your risk of dying if you get COVID. This is the death rate. I, I was mistaken about that before. That's what they're saying. Um, so this the, isn't. I mean, no, no, no. What you would be thinking of is right. just the general population. One out of every, uh, you know, hundred thousand people dying. Um, anyway, is it fair to assume that everyone was gonna get COVID. Well, I mean, there are people who have avoided getting COVID. I don't know. That, that's an interesting question. I don't know. But the researchers estimated um, uh, it was estimated for the, the numbers explained a different way. 1.06 million infections in people under 50 at, uh, at that time period. And there was tw- the excess death rate was there were 24 extra deaths. So assuming all of them were COVID uh, related, the infection fatality rate for people under 50 would have been 0.002%, about one in 45,000, give or take. So uh, no, I don't think 0.002%, I don't think is, uh, you know, look up the flu uh, um, fatality rate, but I don't think it's going to be uh, um, like higher. Um, again, so the, the researchers didn't try to figure out who in that under 50 group um, had, you know, uh, uh, health issues. They didn't even look at that. But if you just logically deducing from this, if you were to then say you're, you don't have, you know, like I don't, they don't have the data on this exactly, but what percentage of those people had like say diabetes and cancer or something like that. So if you were going to then control for you say, didn't have diabetes or cancer, didn't have some serious, like, you know, comorbidity, I mean, your rate is going to be basically, you won't even be able to measure what your rate of actually dying is. And it's as you look at this data, it just kind of puts it back into perspective the bigger picture of all of this, which is that it was just completely ridiculous to shut down the whole world over this. It was ridiculous to have the lockdowns, ridiculous to even talk about all these vaccine mandates and or, or even this conversation about like if you're 50 and under and you don't have these serious any of these serious health issues, you can't even measure your risk uh for for covid. So why are we even discussing this? Meanwhile, we, of course, didn't have any of these conversations that people like me and you and Alex Berenson and others urged uh, uh, people to have. Uh, instead, we went with the lockdown regime and the vaccine mandates. And now this is what we're dealing with. Let's play this uh, this clip from CBS News. Heart attack deaths have become more common across all age groups since the start of the coronavirus pandemic. But a recent study found that young people are actually most at risk in this case. According to Cedars-Sinai Hospital, the number of heart attack deaths among 25 to 44-year-olds in the U.S. over the first two years of the pandemic was 30% higher than predicted. Dr. Celine Gounder. Let me just pause it for a second. I just don't, I, I don't want um, to give the wrong impression here. I'm not saying what we probably wouldn't be allowed to say on YouTube anyway. Um, I'm just my starting point here is just that you have now a 30% increase in, um, in heart attacks or, or deaths from heart attacks in, in, uh, young people, the same uh, demographic who was at statistically zero risk of death from COVID and whatever is causing this is clearly related to COVID just saying that that's kind of my starting point with this. But let's just take a look because I know probably everyone listening is thinking the same thing when you first hear that of what could be causing that. But let's just take a look at the way these people at CBS News will discuss this this issue. I'm not claiming I know exactly what's causing this, but just 
you know, I have I have suspicions, but let's uh, let's take a look at this with us uh, to talk more about it. She's editor at large for public health at Kaiser Health News, and she is also an infectious disease specialist and epidemiologist and a CBS News medical uh, contributor. Dr. Gander, thank you for being here. Uh, what stood out to you in this study? I think the fact that you're seeing such a big increase specifically in the youngest age group, so the 25 to 44-year-olds, you saw this 30% increase in the risk of death from heart attack. And that really is quite striking. That's not a group, an age group, in which you normally see heart attacks, much less dying from a heart attack. So to do a study like this, you look at the years prior to the pandemic and the typical rate of heart attack death in that age group, and then you see it increase and you wonder what's the new variable. And so the pandemic is that new variable? That's right. So these uh, researchers looked at 10 years of data across the U.S., all the death certificates that get filed with the CDC, uh, that data. And so what they saw is prior to the pandemic, heart attack deaths were actually dropping And then that trend reverses and you see those deaths go up, especially among that youngest age group during the pandemic. And do we know why the why younger people might be more at risk or let's pause it for a second. So the question then comes up. Okay, so just to be clear here, just like, yes, look, we're looking at 10 years of data. The risk of death from heart attack is dropping amongst this group where it's very low risk anyway. and then all of a sudden in 2020, it's, it spikes up and continues for 2020, 2021, 2022. It's, it's drastically increasing. So obviously what happened? Well, okay, there were a bunch of huge things that happened that year. Um, but then let's, he, she gets asked point blank the question, now what could be causing this? And here is the CBS um, you know, uh, epidemiologist. Here's her, her response. Sure. And in fact, these death certificates are probably not even capturing the fact that they might have had COVID. Uh, They're really just saying, did you die from a heart attack or not? Um, What we do know, however, is that younger people were less likely to protect themselves against COVID than older people, less likely to mask, less likely to take other mitigation measures. And they were also farther back in line to get vaccinated. So they were not protected with vaccination until later in the pandemic. Those might have been a factor here. So basically, I mean, you could have had perhaps a mild infection. And of course, this is all. Pause it, yeah. All right, just the hilariousness of if you're going to say things that might have been a factor. If the extent of your research is just what might have been a factor, then, I mean, the vaccine might have been a factor. Well, we're not allowed. We're not allowed to say, no, 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 we're not allowed to say that. We can opine about what might have been a factor. And then even to the level of something like, well, you know, it's amongst young people and, um, you know, they're, uh, they were unlikely to mask. And, and you know, they, they were less likely to mask and have these other mitigation. To, uh, uh, to, like, that's fine to speculate about, even though all of the evidence suggests that masking wouldn't have done anything anyway. Like, that, that can't even possibly be what's causing a 30% increase in deaths from heart attacks. Now, by the way, there's... And, and here, the, the uh, guy here on the panel, the, the anchor here, at least gives a little bit of like pushback here. But there are other reasons. I'm not insisting that this 100% is because of, of the jabs. I'm saying, look, there, there was, uh, and I've seen this borne out in, in, several, uh, um, in several like uh, stats, that there's a, a, a huge increase in obesity. There's a huge increase in unhealthy lifestyles uh, uh, in, during the lockdowns as a result of the lockdowns. So I would, sus- I, I would suspect that that at least has something to do with what's going on here. Like you, you had a, a child, uh, I know childhood obesity like skyrocketed 
during the pandemic. I know um, alcohol consumption skyrocketed during the pandemic. So it's but to, to jump to they weren't wearing their masks. You're like, if you're going to speculate, at least speculate about something plausible. And then, of course, to your point, I mean, just to ignore the elephant in the room here. You know what I mean? It just seems like uh, insane. I, I mean, I've joked that they were just going to if there actually was data and excess mortality or otherwise, they would go with the X factor was not the vaccine. It was the fact that we're living now with covid and COVID's made perfect, uh, made changes. And guess what? Now that there's a giant pillar of uh, chemicals in the sky, they might be able to point to that too. Yeah, there's going to yeah, be all sorts of variables. None of them will be that uh, that thing that people just recently started taking and they're still recommending for kids. And and, and to just to how you can tell how dishonest they are, and I think I, I hope this is the difference between what we're doing and what they're doing. Neither me or you are claiming that that is clearly what's causing all this. We're just saying it's insane to not consider that. <laughs> like, there's there's signs pointing to the fact that that might be it and that, yeah, maybe that should at least be considered. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Sheath Underwear. You've, you've heard me talk about Sheath Underwear for quite a while now. They're the best underwear in the world. The only boxer briefs I wear, I have an entire underwear drawer of Sheath Underwear. If you don't believe me, I will prove it to you bring you over to my house and open my underwear drawer for you. There's nothing but sheath in there. They're comfortable, high quality. They're, they're made of a moisture wicking technology. Feel them. You just feel good when you put them on. They're just incredible. They're great for working out. They keep you cool, but they're also great during the winter months. You don't like it. They're just the best boxer briefs you will ever own. Go check them out. Sheath has been advertising on this podcast for three years now. And uh, I got to tell you, I still have my originals. The first pair of underwear they ever sent me still feel great. You know those cheap, you get cheap underwear in a six-pack. They're deteriorating. They're falling apart within a few months. These things are high quality. They last, and they're the most comfortable underwear you'll ever own. They also have the dual pouches to separate your man parts, which is a game changer. It's just unbelievable. And if you don't like that, you don't have to use it. You can just wear them like regular underwear, and they'll be the best uh, pair of box briefs you've ever put on your body. So go check them out at sheathunderwear.com. Use the promo code PROBLEM20 for 20% off your next order. Sheathunderwear.com, promo code PROBLEM20 for 20% off. All right, let's get back into the show. And I don't know ahead. the actual numbers here, but it is wild for them to acknowledge that there is an increase. Like, in other words, it's obvious enough that they can't uh, police that story. And so they have to because they would rather just not report on that story altogether. Like, I mean, you look at how many no stories question. they ignore. So there must be enough people that know people that are actually dealing with this, that they're like, oh, we have to address this. And so they're getting ahead of it to go, oh, this is because of permanent changes because of the group that wasn't. I mean, her argument is that this might be a result of COVID, but it's in the group of people that weren't dying or getting hospitalized from COVID, but they are dying of heart attacks from the COVID that wasn't otherwise. Like, does that usually, is there usually a correlation like that? So COVID specifically gives kids secret heart attacks. And now she's also making the uh, the opposite argument of what people were saying throughout COVID was that a lot of people died from COVID and that, uh, and they, I mean, with COVID and they were saying it's from COVID. Now she's actually saying that people are dying with heart attacks, not from yeah. heart attack. It's right, actually right, right. it's actually COVID caused. This was just the person was dying with a heart attack. With which, with just to be clear, she's and she's purely speculating about that. She has no right. so that's and that's interesting. Is that play the rest of the clip? Well, hypothetical, but then there might have been a, a lingering heart situation, heart disease. 
Right. So COVID causes inflammation um, of the blood vessels as well as other parts of the body and also blood clots. And what we think is that a COVID infection may have actually accelerated the process of developing heart disease, what we call coronary artery disease. And so therefore accelerated when somebody might have had a heart attack and died from a heart attack. You know, COVID also changes uh, how much you can get out to an exercise class, how often you see friends, maybe your level or of activity overall, your stress, yeah. whether you see your doctor. I mean, doctor. Are there, are there, how are they ruling out? COVID doesn't. The government does. Yeah. COVID yeah. doesn't do yeah. any of those things. The government yeah. tell like that, that's I can't stand that. That's the biggest, slickest maneuver that they've pulled is that they had a terrible response. And as opposed to going, oh, this is why government shouldn't be involved, because look at all the negative externalities. No, COVID, they, COVID causes your gym to be closed down. It's like, right. Does it really? Because, by the way, we still have COVID, but the gyms are open now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, I think it was the government mandated lockdowns that caused that, actually. And yes. And, and then, look, I at least give the guy credit, though, that he's at least going with something that's more plausible where he's like, oh, well, you know, we did like shut down exercise and scare the hell ever out of everybody. <laughs> like, I don't know. By the way, I'm actually very open to the idea that that could be a factor in all of this. Like, <coughs> it's not exactly clear. But anyway, but li here, listen to her response here because it's very interesting or accounting for these other lifestyle changes? We don't know. So you can't really assess that just from looking at death certificates. Again, all we can say is how old were they? Did they die from a heart attack? Um, but, you know, some of uh, the factors you're mentioning could certainly have played a role. We also know healthcare facilities were really overwhelmed during the pandemic. So was it that somebody had a heart attack and then was less likely to survive because yeah. the healthcare facility was overwhelmed? I didn't get there on time. Well, thank you so much. Uh, OK, something so, new to her, so her response to him is, well, we really don't know. You know, we just we can't speculate about that because we really don't know. Yet it was fine for her to speculate about mask compliance being the reason it's 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 fine to speculate about covid itself because well you know covid causes uh inflammation and blood clots therefore we can speculate that these uh these heart attacks are a result of covid but you know what else causes those things that which can't be speculated about <laughs> just all i'm saying is just imagine trying to have this conversation i'm not saying i know why there is a 30 percent increase in deaths from heart attacks amongst young people i'm not saying i know why that is but imagine having this conversation and you're going to uh speculate about whether it was masks whether it was covid whether it was closing gyms whether it was people being stressed and not speculating about the other obvious factor there like, my God, we had a mass medical experiment run on billions of people. You're, tell you're honestly telling me, since even the doctor herself is going to admit, she doesn't know why this is. She, yeah, we're kind of guessing here, but we're just not allowed to consider this one possibility. And it's so obvious why. It's so obvious why. Because, man, if this is a result of that, Jesus Christ, what did these people do? Like, what did these people do? You you had this campaign of forcing, coercing, and ritualistically shaming everybody who would not take this damn thing. And for you to have to even admit that, which, as you said, Rob, they never will. Even no matter how bad it is, they never will admit that. They'll always blame it on something else. But, my God, it would just be too, you could never come back from admitting that. You know what I mean? Um, as bad as some of the other lies that uh, have come out are. 
I don't think they could ever come back from that. I think it's just such a tragedy that uh, global warming's causing all these kids to have heart attacks. It really is. If only we could Man. take this planet more seriously. Damn it's a you, good thing that we got change. giant smoke clouds to keep the sun from coming in. Little plastic particles to reflect it black because... Uh, oh, no, that's yeah, that's just good for you. Gives a nice, <laughs> richy, smoky feel to your air. That's just, that's, that's just good for you. No problem there. Um, yeah, it really was... Uh, uh, I don't know, just watching that. And look, I mean, there, there's been kind of these, uh, there, there's been these stories, these kind of one-off stories where, okay, this guy collapsed or something happened here or whatever. And, and you know, fair enough, there have been people, like, say, on, on the, uh, broadly speaking, the anti-vax side who have jumped on some of these cases in a silly way where you're like, like, you don't actually know what happened in this one case. But when you start seeing data like this come out, a 30% increase in deaths from heart attacks amongst young people. It, I, I just think it's like, it's like criminally negligent to not consider that possibility. That's really all I'm saying. And to watch these people consider every other possibility except this one is just something. And like, look, if there was, uh, I, I'm completely open to um, the, the idea that well, it was like alcoholism shot through the roof and people weren't working out and people were eating like crap. And this is, yeah, it was so bad that it really, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if that can explain a 30% increase in deaths from heart attacks, but maybe, maybe it can. I Even if there was some actual evidence other than just speculating that was like, oh yeah, look, we've figured out how this is what, uh, how, how COVID can do this and, and lead to this outcome. That would suck. But hey, if that's the case, it, I, I'm fine with it. I mean, like, if, if I was actually presented with some evidence of it, okay. I mean, I still don't think, I think the overwhelming evidence suggests that them not masking up wasn't going to change anything. This is probably just what it was as soon as this uh, virus was uh, created and unleashed on people, then fine. That's, this is what was going to happen. It's, it's horrible. But if you're just speculating about all of those things, then sorry, no, you don't get to do that. And then just there's this one thing that thou dare not even consider. It's really unbelievable that they can like like I don't understand how anyone could be watching that and not be like, but how about like you're not even going to address and go like, well, this is why we know it couldn't be this. We're just going to pretend that factor doesn't exist. It's such bullshit. Um, OK. Anyway, there was another uh, very satisfying uh, moment in uh, in uh, 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 in the news this week, um, which was a, um, a journalist uh, named Matt Lee, who is that is really one of the. Uh, one of the very few, um, like solid guys out there. Um, he's, uh, he's, he's usually in the press, uh, core for the, uh, the Pentagon press conferences and he gives them a hard time quite often, which is, uh, which is great. Uh, he's one of the few, I wish we had more like him, but anyway, this, uh, uh this hack Kirby was up there talking about, uh, Ukraine versus Russia. And he, um, he repeated what was a, a favorite uh, Hillary Clinton line where she used to say um, that uh, she used to say Vladimir Putin has amassed his troops right on NATO's doorstep. And this was he basically uh, repeated this line and uh, Lee really got after him about it. It was pretty great. So let's watch this clip to look at this and say the reason that the Russian army is on NATO, uh, the, the Russian army is at NATO's doorstep is because NATO has expanded rather than the Russians expanding. In other words, NATO has moved closer to Russia rather than Russia moving closer to NATO. Is that not an accurate 
way to look at this? I think that's the way President Putin probably looks at it. It's certainly not but, the way that we look at it. You don't, you don't think that NATO has expanded eastward toward Russia? NATO has expanded, okay. and, and the expansion so the has reason, been a good thing for... So the reason that the Russian army is at NATO's doorstep is not the fault of the Russian army. Not the, it's not the Russian army that's done it. It's NATO has moved closer to move east. I'm pretty east. sure it wasn't NATO who was ordering you know, upwards of 15 battalion tactical groups to within 10 kilometers of the border with Ukraine. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't NATO who put little green men inside Ukraine to destabilize okay. Eastern well, I'm states. I'm pretty sure that Ukraine is not a member of NATO. So unless that's changed. It's not, it's not okay. changed, but I'm so, pretty sure the movement by Russia is NATO, has, If NATO has moved east, the reason that the Russian army is closer or on NATO's doorstep is because NATO moved. Not NATO is not an, an anti-Russia alliance. NATO is a security alliance. For, for 50 years, it was an anti-Soviet alliance. So Where's do you not understand it, Togo? Do you not understand how, or can you not even see how the Russians would perceive it as a, as a threat? And the fact that it keeps getting closer to their border while their troops, I mean, the, the places where their troops are, you say their troops are, and they may have been in Ukraine and Georgia, are not made up. I don't have, I'm not going to pretend to know what goes in President Putin's mind or Russian military commanders. I mean, I barely got a history degree at the University of South Florida. What I can tell you, what I can tell you is that is that uh, NATO is a defensive alliance. It remains a defensive alliance. Fair enough, but it has moved east. Correct. I mean, can we pause. Sure. I mean, the layers of stupidity here are that first he starts off by saying, "Well, that's what Putin would think." So in other words, he admits right. it right off the bat, where he goes, well, "That's what Putin would think." Well, like, yeah, that, but that was true. my question. That's what I was saying to you: was wouldn't Putin think? That you guys are expanding more than he's expanding. Well, that's what he would say. Oh, well, so it's, even, saying... it's even worse than that because he yeah. starts by saying what he start, what he's responding to is him saying, "I mean, Putin is you know uh, they've got Russian troops right on NATO's doorstep," and he goes, "Yeah, but you're saying that as if they did something when really all that's happened is that you've moved NATO all the way to Russia's borders. So that's not the Russian army moving encroaching on NATO." And he goes, "Yeah, well, that's how Putin would put it," <laughs> and he's like, "Well." But it's true, right? It goes like so. So right away when you just call out that your obvious statement is bullshit, like it's clearly like, OK, yeah, it is true that Russian uh, the Russian army is on NATO's doorstep because NATO moved on to Russia's doorstep. Right. So once you call that out, it's like, oh, yeah, well, that's you're basically talking like Putin talks now. OK, so then he pushes him on that and he's like, well, didn't NATO expand? And he's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, NATO did expand. And then this gets into this whole like ridiculous argument where and then. At the end, he plays just the like, he's like, look, I don't pretend to know what's in Putin's mind. I mean, to, I'm, I'm a dummy, basically. I didn't even do good in college. But you're like, dude, you're leading the Pentagon briefing right now about what the most powerful military in the history of the world is doing, confronting the military with the largest stockpile of nuclear weapons. Like, are you fucking kidding me? You cop out after that bullshit. You just keep moving the goalposts and then go like, oh, I'm just kind of a dummy. You cop out the way like, me or you would if we're like I, I don't know this is just like fucking unbelievable to see and then this and then of course it's always they, they always move the goalposts never acknowledging the first thing it's always like oh well you just basically like insinuated that putin is encroaching on nato but really it's nato encroaching on putin and he's like well that's the way putin sees it it's like well has nato expanded oh yeah, yeah no nato has expanded and then it comes up and then it the the next thing they're going is like it's not like a correction of that, like, oh, yeah, I did make it seem like Putin has expanded, but really NATO's expanded. It's like, well, it's a defensive alliance. 
And it's like, okay, it's not anti-Russia. You go, well, it was explicitly anti-Russia for 50 years, and they still feel like it's pretty anti-Russia. And then it's like, well, I'm not going to try to get into the mind of Putin. I mean, I'm just Mr. Big Dumb Guy here. It's like, yeah, well, spend some time trying. It's not that hard. Resign. Yeah, really. If you honestly feel like it's not your job to get in the minds of Putin, and you're in this position where you're making strategic decisions, then resign. If you're not educated enough to reasonably consider what he might think about you moving right there, resign. You yeah. Shouldn't do this and, job. And, this, and then this stuff where they say it goes like, and it's so infuriating because it's such bullshit. Again, it's such, it's, a, it's as much bullshit as claiming that Putin moved his troops up to NATO's doorstep. It's like when he says NATO's a defensive alliance, like that, that's the idea. It's a defensive alliance. We're just defensive. Okay. It's like, well, so what does that mean? You would only, uh, uh, you know, use a, a military uh, response against someone who invaded a NATO country. So who did did Libya invade a NATO country? Did Afghanistan invade a NATO country? Did Serbia invade a NATO country? No, none of those are the case. In the case of Serbia, they had a civil war and NATO. That, that's not defensive. In the case of Afghanistan, we were launching a regime change war against the, the Taliban. That's not defensive. In the case of Libya, they just wanted to overthrow uh, Muammar Gaddafi. None of these are defense. So you can't just say, oh, we're a defensive alliance. Like you're literally by your own track record, you're not. But beyond that, I mean, it's like, look, the biggest, the biggest force for war over the last 20 years is the government of the United States of America. There's just no arguing that. It's the, the, the started more wars, killed more people, invaded more countries, you know, spent sent special ops into more countries by any metric you want to use the, the the biggest force for war. And NATO is their European military alliance. So you can say it's defensive all day long if you want to. But at the helm of it is the is the country that uh, starts more aggressive wars than anyone else. And that alliance itself has fought in several of those aggressive wars. So as that force is encroaching upon someone's border, you're like, I don't know why this is even pissing them off. We keep saying defensive alliance. Like, really? You can't wrap your head around why that might be perceived as a threat? It's like all these simple games that we always keep saying, but just like play like just a thought experiment. Like, what if if the Soviet Union hadn't collapsed and and the Warsaw Pact was like moving over and taking over all these countries. It, it took over France and England. It comes acro- across the Atlantic and takes over Canada and Mexico. And they're starting aggressive wars left and right all over the world. But every time America's like, whoa, 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 you're encroaching on us, they go, no, dude, we're defensive. They're like, well, what do you mean defensive? You just, start, you just launched this aggressive war over there. They go, I, are you not hearing me? Clean your ears out. I said defensive. Like, well, this is all just so ridiculous. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Yo Kratom. If you are a responsible adult over the age of 21 and in the market for Kratom, go get your Kratom at YoKratom.com. They are the best sponsor of this show, this entire network. Uh, They have the best Kratom. It's lab tested. It's the best deal you're going to find anywhere, $60 for a kilo, and it's delivered right to your door. So if you're looking for Kratom, go get it at YoKratom.com, home of the $60 kilo. All right, let's get back into the show. Yeah, let's play the last few seconds of uh, of this. Expanded, absolutely. Right, exactly. But it's there's no reason... reason for anybody to think the expansion is a hostile or threatening move. And we've been saying that throughout the last 15 years, well, man. Like getting, you're, you're moving closer to Russia. You're blaming the Russians for being close to NATO. No, no, no. 
That's exactly what Hegel's We're blaming the Russians for violating the territorial integrity of Ukraine and destabilizing the security situation. Which is not a NATO. I see other countries feel threatened. Yeah. So there's, you know, so they're like, I don't even know why you'd feel threatened. I don't know what it is, why you possibly would. I mean, sure, our president has talked about how you need to be overthrown three or four times, but whatever. Like, what do you even feel threatened by, bro? We're just coming closer to you. We're just a military alliance that wants to come touch up in every single country next to you. Um, and then he goes, no, listen, it's just like uh, we're, we're blaming Russia for violating the territorial integrity of Ukraine. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable that after the last 20 years, anyone from the Pentagon can still say, well, it's just violating the territorial integrity. Territorial integrity. That's what we're all about in the Pentagon. You know, it's like... Okay, we we were for, even after overthrowing Saddam Hussein, the Iraqi Parliament voted us out, and we stayed anyway. Though we violated the territorial integrity of Syria, of Pakistan, obviously of Yemen and Somalia, and you know Libya, all these countries we violate. But oh, but Vladimir Putin does it to his neighboring country, and this is supposed to be so much more egregious. Like I'm not even saying. Also, by the way, of course, like you know. There was like a civil war raging there for since 2014. There's tens of thousands of people uh, were killed. I don't know the exact number. It might be less than tens, might be under 20. But thousands of people were killed um, in, in those like civil wars. This is what like the Minsk Accords were all about, trying to bring an end to the fighting between the East and West within Ukraine. Now, you can argue that Russia didn't have legitimate security concerns in Ukraine. Okay, you could make that argument. But we went to Iraq over the claim of security concerns. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's at least more plausible, you'd have to say, that if there's a civil war on your border where ethnic Russians are being killed, that you could at least claim, like, so that's what he's talking about. He goes, oh, he sent little green men in. It's like, yes, Vladimir Putin sent especially, uh, essentially special ops in during the civil war to kind of like back up the ethnic Russian side of it. Okay, feel about that however you, w- you will. But to like for the Pentagon spokesman to be up there yapping about territorial integrity is just like it. You you almost have to admire the stones on him. Um, but I uh, but I I do appreciate uh, you know what. Look, we don't you don't see it that much, but that is uh, at least in the ballpark of what like a journalist at a press conference is supposed supposed to look like. Like just a- like asking these obvious follow up questions to the point that where it's like you just reveal this Kirby guy is just so full of shit, like so full just has to keep moving the goalpost and moving it to another bullshit point. That's like all they have to back this up is these stupid like talking points that are not even close to accurate. Well, we're defensive. We're a defensive alliance. No, you're fucking not. You're, no, you're not. Your alliance itself has been involved in aggressive wars. And you're the alliance of the United States of America, the most aggressive military in the world. You can't just say you're defensive. It's a, it's a pretty cartoonish argument. It's like if you took your front door and you put it on your neighbor's lawn and then you called the cops when he goes to take the dog for a walk and going, the dog is coming right up to my doorstep. Yeah. yeah. That's literally what we're doing here. Yeah. Sir, did you move your doorstep onto your neighbor's door? You go, I did. But then and then he came right up to it. So what are you doing? And and in a way, this is uh it's it's kind of like 
this is the it, it's it's also like Putin's kind of borrowed this tactic where if you recall, what did Putin do the day before uh, or two days before he invaded Ukraine? He declared uh, Donbass independent. He just declared that they're not part of Ukraine anymore. And then he went in. He was like, see, I didn't invade. And he said that he I was just... going to take care of the Nazi problem, <laughs> which they we're supposed to be against Nazis here. So he's doing us a favor. It really is something pretty funny that we, we sided with Joseph Stalin to beat the Nazis in World War II. And yet in 2014, we sided with the Nazis to, right. to deal with Vladimir Putin. Like, it's just anyway, it's pretty goddamn hilarious um, if it wasn't so awful and terrifying. But, yeah, it's just uh, it's, it's really something. This is how uh, it, it's just it's the most reckless foreign policy uh ever in my lifetime at least and we've had a whole lot of reckless foreign policy so it really says something that this takes the cake um and you see how even the pentagon uh spokesman with the the most minimal pressure applied to them just collapse and can't defend it um and of course this is happening uh under uh joe biden's uh discretion and so the democrats are all wearing their their uh you know ukraine flag pins or whatever and then here you have and this is really, I, I think, probably the essence of why I'm a member of the Libertarian Party. Here's here you have the most powerful Republican in Washington D.C. Uh, here's here's his take on the situation. Here's old uh, Mitch McConnell. Ukrainians saying they don't have enough ammo, and even our Defense Department is saying we might have to figure out a way to get more funding so that we have enough ammo for ourselves and to give to allies like Ukraine. What is Biden's responsibility in trying to make sure that? People in America whose support for Ukraine is softening will want to continue to try to help them. Well, I'm going to try to help explain to the American people that defeating the Russians in Ukraine is the single most important event going on in the world right now. It will save us an enormous amount of money down the road if the Ukrainians can succeed. All right. So let's pause it right here um, already. So. This is Dana Perino has Mitch McConnell on to discuss the story that support for this insane policy is plummeting and that more and more Americans are like, whoa, what the hell are we doing here? Um, this is like, what, what do you mean? They just have a blank check for as much of our money forever to prolong the war. Like, this is crazy. Right. So more people are waking up to this. And Mitch McConnell who's the leader of the Republican Party. His position is that, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to explain to the American people that they're wrong. They're wrong for not supporting them. Not that I have a not that I have a, uh, um, you know, like my job is to, you know, be the representative of these people who now don't want this policy. I'll just tell them that they're dummies for not wanting this policy. Not that I'm going to be the opposition to Joe Biden and this insane, reckless uh, policy. No, I'm going to insist that he expand this crazy, reckless policy. That's what we've got in the opposition party of the Republicans at the highest level. That's I'm not trying to like uh, be binary here. There are a sliver of Republicans that are decent, but don't get it twisted. It's a sliver of them who are decent. And all of the people with the most power in the party are just as bad as the worst of the Democrats. Just, uh, just every bit as bad as the absolute worst of them. It's just like so. And then, you know, OK, so here, you know, and this is, by the way, you know, like. Is it, you know, if you talk about how there wasn't really like a giant red wave in, in, in the midterms and all this stuff, it's like you get the Republicans just don't deserve to win. They don't deserve it. 
I mean, I'm sorry. It's just so disgusting that he actually comes out and says the number one priority is that Russia is defeated. That's the number one priority. Not the mushroom cloud of chemical smoke in, in the sky that you, you notice out your window. Not the inflation. Hey, we just got a pretty bad inflation report the other day, didn't we, Rob? Right? Inflation's still pretty bad. Still, not that that's destroying you, that people are like drowning with this inflation. Not that we, you know, holding people accountable who lied to you, who forced you to get jabbed, who, you know, forced you out of work for no reason over the last few years. Not your kids being, you know, uh, propagandized to hate you and everything decent in the world. None of that. The number one priority you see is that Kiev is uh, in control of Ukraine and not Moscow. That's the number one priority. And yes, yes, don't let it fuck with you that a bunch of weapons companies are going to be enriched in the process. Sure. Don't like, yes, that that is just an unfortunate, you know, uh, uh, that's just an unfortunate, uh, you know, aspect of all of this. But that's, this is the number one priority. And also he has to explain to you that it's going to save us so much money in the long run. Spending tens of billions of dollars on this is really going to save us a ton of money. How exactly? Well, because it won't cost us money later. It's just, just going to save us money. Now, of course, if this does provoke a world war, then actually it might cost us a whole bunch of money. But it's okay. Mitch McConnell has assured you that this is the number one priority because it will actually save us money. Really, we're investing in Ukraine. The dividend on this thing is going to be nuts. You're going to be set. This is basically, look at it like an annuity. You're going to be set for the rest of your life, Rob. Just give Ukraine a few more billions. It's coming right back to you. Well, if you clean up, kill off enough of the population, you can clean up the books. So he's not totally wrong. You escalate <laughs> this thing into a nuclear war, you're not going to have to pay Medicaid, Social Security. Clean those books right up. Go in underground bunkers for a little bit. The elites come back up and boom, they don't have to have any of these vermin around that they don't like dealing with or paying for. Yeah, yeah there you go. All right, yeah, let's keep playing. They're not asking for any of our personnel. They're asking us for financial help. The Europeans are stepping up. They've done an awful lot that seems not to be recognized. For example, handling enormous numbers of refugees. In terms of the cost of it, Dana, it's about 0.02% of our gross domestic product. We are also monitoring very carefully the money that's being spent there should be a bipartisan support for this. My biggest criticism of the president is he seems not to have done enough soon enough. Had he moved more rapidly, we might have been able to help the Ukrainians have even more success than they've already had. But it seems like these weapon systems tend to get there a little too late uh, on, on every occasion. Exactly. I'm sorry, I'm sorry public opinion is sliding, but I want to reassure the American people this is enormously important. We need to stay together on a bipartisan basis in our country and defend these people who are bravely fighting uh, for freedom and for democracy in Ukraine. So, all right, I so guess there you this, go. this is the end of McConnell's career because th this won't age well. And I think he realizes, all right, this is this is the last push, the last payday. Yeah. Well, I just want. Yeah, I want to reassure the American people that I will not do what you increasingly want me to do. And, and right there, look, he says it. His criticism of Joe Biden is that he was not more aggressive in this war. He wants more of Joe Biden's policy. That's what the opposition here is. And when it really comes down to it, that's what Mitch McConnell uh, stands for. 
weapons that man we just didn't send them enough weapons i mean sure this ridiculous number he goes it's really not a big percentage of our total gdp you're measuring what we're giving them by our total gdp how about compare it to any foreign aid that we give any other country oh yeah it's the most uh um and just the idea that he would he would sit there and say oh it's really it's just so important and then just what there's no argument attached to any of it hey here's why you guys are wrong and why we really need to support them what what's the what's his his assertion well because they're fighting for they're brave we have to support them because they're brave they're fighting for freedom and democracy rob i mean sure they're neither of those that they're not a free country or a democratic country but they're fighting for freedom and democracy so give them a bunch of money uh and his allocation is not accurate because it might be currently 0.02 percent but it's like every month we send them more and compare yeah. that to how much money we sent in uh we're spending on train derailments yeah Let's see that right. uh cost comparison yeah really and i mean you know the, the, it's just after everything our, our country's been through over the last few years it's just like how could anyone buy this how and you're not helping ukrainians let's just acknowledge that you're keeping them in an unwinnable fight so that more of them can die and i guess whatever your russia bleed them dry blow a pipeline agendas might be met you're not helping anyone so let's yeah. let, let's not ever forget that they're lying about any care for the ukrainian people if anything oh they're yeah specifically harming the ukrainian people oh I'm, and look it was again i've mentioned this many times on the show before but it was fiona hill not a, some libertarian dove fucking fiona hill a hawk who did the reporting about how they were basically close to working out a deal. They essentially had a deal, you know, uh, the, the, the broad terms like had been agreed to. So like, you know, basically hasn't been signed in ink yet, but both sides are tentatively agreeing to a deal. And Boris Johnson came over and urged Zelensky not to sign the deal, not to sign it. And then we sent them in a ton more uh, money and weapons. So he was in a position of being ready to negotiate so his country wasn't destroyed, and we pushed him not to. And I've kept the fight going for another fucking year. So all these people dying is like now, you know, in large part, uh, the blood is on the Joe Biden administration's hands. I mean, for the role that they played in provoking the thing to begin with and the role they've played in prolonging it. Now, that's not to, um, you know, alleviate any of the blame from Vladimir Putin. But there's a ton of blame on all these guys. And this specific policy that, that Mitch McConnell is advocating, we expand. And, 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 of course, none of that, not to mention the risks uh, associated with this, uh, you know, turning into a larger war and, you know, possibly even a nuclear conflict. It's just, like, the most insane thing in the world. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, so there, there's that. If you, uh, you know, Republicans really still have a neocon problem. Uh, okay, so uh, th- before we get out of here, one more uh, story that just a uh, kind of fun one that I thought would be a uh, 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 leave leave on a note of humor, perhaps. Um, Don Don Lemon, who we uh, you, you know from D Dog from CNN over there, he has been uh, he's he's been demoted from he doesn't have like a he's not an anchor of like a, the 8 p.m. show or whatever it used to be now they got him like early in the day uh sandwiched in between a couple of chicks but he's as dumb as ever don't worry about it and don lemon has this unbelievable combination i i can't believe he hasn't been let go from cnn well i think he uh, hates women well i don't know he's a gay dude so what does he need him for uh so you know i get it um you know if you weren't like if you if you weren't attracted to women let me tell you something rob 
If I could, if I could get into making love to you, I don't know. What do I need my wife for anymore? Um, she's a good been waiting for you to say that. Dave. <laughs> I, I know you have. So, uh, so Don Lemon, by the way, for people who don't know, you know, Don Lemon has famously, uh, he's got this amazing combination where he's got kind of like seniority over at CNN. And so he's really comfortable. He's like, I'll go off script for a little bit. I'll just fucking vamp. And he's very, very dumb, but he's very, very confident that he's bright. So he'll just start talking about shit. Like he he once uh, speculated that a missing um, airplane could have been sucked up by a black hole. I don't know if you remember this clip and there was an actual scientist on the panel with him. And he was like, now, what are the chances that, say, a black hole sucked this thing up? And the scientist had to be like, um zero there's well, there's as no a gay guy that's that just that what could... is on his mind <laughs> there you go um but he uh he got drunk on new year's eve one son the thing like this is just kind of the the type of shit that he does anyway this was pretty funny nikki haley made a comment about um i think the comment was about joe biden being past his prime um and this was uh this was don lemon's response yeah it's a delicate conversation, to say the least. Isaac Devere, great reporting. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, and notice Nikki Haley when she said that yesterday. Obviously, a dig at Biden, but she said 75 and up, so that would include Trump. Yeah. Elder statesman here. This whole talk about age makes me uncomfortable. I think that I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered being in her prime in her 20s and 30s and Maybe 40s. What do you talk? Wait. Uh, that's not according to me. Prime so for what? Uh, it depends. I mean, it's just like prime. If you look it up, it'll say, if you look, if you Google when is a woman in her prime, it'll say 20s, 30s, and 40s. I don't necessarily. 40s. Oh, I got another I'm not decade. saying I agree with that. So I think she has to be careful about saying that, you know, politicians aren't in their prime. You need to qualify. Are you talking about prime for like child bearing or are you talking about prime for being president? The facts are Google it. Everybody at home. When is a woman in her prime? It says 20s, 30s and 40s. And I'm just saying Nikki Haley should be careful about saying that politicians are not in their prime and they need to be in their prime when they serve because she wouldn't be in her prime, according to. Google, you know, Google or whatever it is. Um, I look, and you have to be careful because older people vote. Older people watch linear television, <laughs> right? And so she has to be careful about turning off a certain constituency who may be her strongest set of supporters well, by more saying people vote than younger people. Yes, but I will that's say, the point. Age is a fair question. Remember, we talked about how young Pete Buttigieg was, though. Like yeah. everyone said, maybe he's right, not experienced enough. They end up kind of like changing the topic. It's just so funny sitting between these two chicks and be like, "Look, this bitch is old. You two are old. You're all out of your prime." I mean, he has no idea what he's even saying. Like they're like, "Prime for what?" And he's like, ah, "I don't know. Prime. Google it." So Google, like, what is it? What are you he talking was- about? That was he was being a catty gay guy and that being like, bitch, you ain't in your prom either. Yep. And then he realized I'm sitting between two women. And what I just said was that women are objects. And so when they're not beautiful, 25 year olds, they're irrelevant. And as a political commentator on the left network, I can't be dismissive of women yeah. <laughs> that anything other than their sexual value has. I thought Did women I are supposed goes- to. He goes, just uh, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just bringing the facts. And you're like, what fact? What does prime <laughs> even mean objectively? Right. Like what? Like professionally in, in your prime? Like wh- what are you talking well, from about? A, from a professional standpoint, what's Nikki Haley, 65? 
I'm pretty healthy looking. That old. No, maybe she's fifties. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, yeah. if you're hiring, 50s, if you were looking to hire a CEO, she's probably the ideal age. Now, personally, I agree with him. I don't like women, 51, so I wouldn't hire her. Like, that's not. <laughs> I'm not trying to come out as the hire women argument, but I'm saying if you were if you were running a company that liked hiring women, she's probably in the ideal age range for leadership yeah. positions. Almost, uh, almost certainly. I mean, fifty-one to me. Like if you were talking about a high stress, really important like leadership position, I think fifty one would be right around the ideal age. That'd be my guess. I, I think I think your forties or fifties probably is probably like the point where you've like if you're talking prime in this capacity, not like you're prime for like having kids or playing in the NBA, but you're prime where you're like you have the benefit of like experience and wisdom, and you haven't like mentally slowed down at all. I'd say like. 40s 50s and for some people maybe even into their into their 60s um but they're like you know what i'm saying like most of the time uh, like a ceo you wouldn't want to be 25 Dude, be D -Dog, like, you, you could use more experience he's he's left black ron burgundy you can't you really, let yes. him say anything yes, that's is. not directly on the teleprompter it is exactly what it is and it's so funny like that you and he does this a lot like every time he has these gaffes you can kind of see that he's about to do it like he's kind of like he'll kind of do this thing. He's like, he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna rip. I'm just gonna. I'm not. I'm not reading this one. I'm just gonna vamp. And you're like, oh, dude, this is gonna be so bad, so bad. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. It was it was an entertaining moment at least. So there you go, women in your fifties. He's 50s. so lucky that those two women let him off on that. That could have been a yeah. career ender easily. Yes. And and they even have the moment. You're the like you're the elder statesman here. What do you have to say? And then yeah. he just says the dumbest thing you could possibly say. I'm almost surprised he like that. That seems like a career ender for being on a left wing network. Well, it's, he has been getting some shit online for it, but I, I have a feeling it won't be enough to take him down. But I honestly, I don't want him off the air. I just want more moments like this. This is this is all the corporate press is good for anyway. Well, just give me some hilarious moments. That'll be great. Every time like a new Hillary Clinton or whoever comes, we'll, we, we, it would be great if the press referred to, or as D Dog refers to it, not her prime. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, now look, by the way, I will say it's it is a fair conversation to have with guys like Biden and Trump. Uh, I, I think there's nothing wrong with that to say that, like, look, like the idea that we're putting 80 year olds in here is fucking insane. And very clearly with with Biden. Um, I mean, it's just so obvious. Like if you if you go watch Biden also, much like Don Lemon, was always not very bright and convinced he was very bright. Like he always believed he was a lot more clever than he was. But if you go watch videos of Biden speaking from like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and compare it to now, it, just just go do it. That's your homework for tonight, listeners. Go do that. Go go watch any video clip of Joe Biden speaking 30 years ago and then watch him speaking uh, 30 days ago and just look at it. You're like, oh, yeah, the guy is in very obvious, severe decline, mm, it, that, you know. It just is what it is. Everybody knows that shit. Um, all right. We're going to wrap up the uh, the show there. Come catch us this weekend in Detroit. Me and Rob will be out there doing some stand-up comedy, uh, maybe doing some eight-mile battle rapping, um, maybe, uh, I don't know, buying a General Motors car. I don't know. I have to go on stereotypes. I don't know that much about Detroit. But we'll be out there having some fun. Come hang with us. 
Thanks for listening. And uh, RobbieTheFire.com. I'll get all my tour dates up there. I also got a March date up in Steamboat. You can come ski with me. Of course, check out Run Your Mouth Podcast. And uh, every Wednesday night in the West Village, come hang. Hell yeah. Peace. Peace.